0: This episode of Let's Talk About Brand was initially broadcast as a live stream in 2020. It has been edited from its original format. everyone, it's Christine Grittman here with Let's Talk About Brand. And today we are, of course, going to talk all about personal branding with our guest, Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake is, of course, a YouTube creator and a YouTube educator, and that distinction is very, very key, as you will find out. Um, he is a creative entrepreneur, a public speaker, a business coach. He's all about educating and motivating creative people with new videos every week on his YouTube channel, and he, which has almost 475,000 subscribers. Last time I checked on his main YouTube channel, of course, he's got some spinoffs as well. His awesome Creator Academy helps creative entrepreneurs leverage YouTube to grow their audience, increase revenue, and develop their businesses. and brands. And that is key. Not just about being a YouTube creator, it's about building a brand. And I have to point out I'm wearing a shirt from Roberto's Awesome Creator Academy. Figured that was a good thing to wear today. I'm actually having some trouble reaching Roberto. I'm going to be honest with you right now. But I'm going to talk for a couple more minutes about why it's important to build a brand, not just a channel. And this was actually our uh, topic on my Chat About Brand Twitter chat, which is every Tuesday at 12 noon eastern. So some of the things we talked about this week on the Chat About Brand Twitter chat, we talked about uh, why you would or would not want to really go hard on one main channel the way Roberto did with YouTube, Uh, the advantages and disadvantages of that. We talked about some ways that a popular creator can take their influence off platform and hopefully even monetize that influence off platform, just as Roberto has done with his Awesome Creator Academy, with his speaking career, with his consulting and coaching career. So uh, we're going to talk about how a popular creator can really take those transferable skills And move them into something that is bigger than any one platform. Because of course, if you build all of your equity on YouTube, you don't really own that. YouTube could be gone with a keystroke tomorrow. It could go out of business, there could be hackers. I mean, ask people who built their brands on Myspace back in the day. Ask people who are dealing with the TikTok uh, concerns now. So some more about what we talked about. There he is. All right, okay. everyone, now you're going to get someone besides me talking about why you want to build a brand that is not just on one platform. Yay, Roberto Blake! Woo! Let's kick this off by talking about the question we started our Twitter chat with, which is why you would or would not want to kind of go hard on one particular channel as opposed to kind of having a broader footprint.
1: Well, it's a good question, Kristen. Um, the... The reason is, and I understand people's issues of focus and bandwidth, but they haven't thought it fully through. There's no reason that taking 10 or 15 minutes to engage in another platform does anything meaningful in terms of crippling your main output. So if you're already spending three or four hours on your main thing, taking away or adding 15 minutes to your plate to do something else doesn't really impact that.
0: So are you saying that basically you should engage on other platforms? Yes,
1: um, yes. I'm saying there's not a downside. Everyone everyone believes that it dilutes their focus. But mm-hmm. what is the downside of taking 15 minutes out of your day to do Instagram stories? What is the difference of taking 15 minutes out of your day to reply to people on Twitter or ask questions or run polls? It does nothing to impact the two or three hours that you're putting into whatever else you're doing
0: absolutely that's great. It's 15 that's, minutes it's all about having a purpose as to where you should be right I mean you for example I know that you're known as a youtuber but you have a very active and engaged Twitter presence as well
1: it's uh, Twitter's my secret weapon yes
0: I love that so let's go back a little bit to when you first got started so when you were first building your brand can you tell us how how that went because we know you for for YouTube did you start going hard on YouTube and then expand or did you start kind of expanded and then focus in on YouTube?
1: I did blogging before I did anything else. Oh,
0: nice. Which
1: a lot of people um, don't know me for. But if you look back to my earliest like YouTube content, when I started being consistent there, my intro was, hey, everybody, this is Roberto Blake from robertoblake.com helping you create something awesome today when I started doing that. Or even before um, I started the creating something awesome today, I... This is Roberto Blake from robertoblake.com and today we're learning about Photoshop. Like that was how I did it. I had my website, my YouTube channel partly was about driving traffic to my own website, even in the very beginning, which is actually not great for YouTube growth, but it's fantastic when you want clients. So that, and that was my plan was to get clients. It wasn't to become a big YouTuber. It wasn't to make money off of the ads. It wasn't to, oh, I'll get brand deals one day. That didn't really exist back then. There was, the purpose was I wanted to drive traffic to my website. So I had my website. I was active on Twitter before I was ever active on YouTube. It was probably my bigger platform for a very long time, um, honestly. And I was actually really active in Facebook, especially when Facebook Live started. Yeah. So I was almost daily. If you, you might remember this, I was daily when Blab and Facebook Live and all of that was a thing.
0: My goodness. So then, how did the shift to really becoming known as a YouTube creator happen?
1: That just happened because the numbers are bigger there than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone knows me for that. But I didn't actually, I actually probably for years was just as hard on live streaming. Mm -hmm. every single day in multiple live streaming platforms in the early days of mobile live streaming more than I was even when I was doing daily YouTube content. People just know me for that because that's where the numbers showed up.
0: And what were, and what were these live streams about? And what were these blogs about? What was your thing back then?
1: Well, the blogs were largely about my career as a graphic designer in digital arts and, um, I also interviewed a lot of other up and coming digital artists that would later get featured in a lot of magazines and publications. So, um, that was actually dope. I actually got featured in a lot of magazines and publications for my own digital art. I won a few awards as a designer. Um, and so that was really what the early focus was, was helping other freelancers and creative professionals in graphics, web design, digital art. And I was also a freelance writer back then. So, that was a large part of what that was. And then when it came to the live streaming component, a lot of it was about online branding and marketing as my own was growing, because at that time I was actually growing at a what now I realize was a rapid rate. I didn't I took for granted. I didn't think it was special, that special back then. But if somebody today went from twenty thousand subscribers at the beginning of a year to seventy five thousand subscribers by the end of the year, we'd all make a big deal out of it. I didn't realize what a big deal that was back when um I did that in February of twenty fifteen through December of twenty fifteen when I grew from twenty thousand to about
0: seventy, seventy five thousand. My goodness. So so When that growth happened, was there a moment, was there kind of a tipping point where your YouTube started kind of growing out of control and you realized, whoa, this is a thing?
1: It was momentum. It was the result of at the time I was doing daily content that was all searchable. So I had a consistent traffic funnel and in the tutorial space and in the space of talking about freelancing. And I wasn't even really talking about YouTube growth back then because I kind of didn't want to talk about as much until I'd hit a hundred thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was talking about was a lot of things that had to do with the ways that I had made money online, how I had left um, my nine to five job and all of those things. And to be a freelancer, getting clients um, and I was going daily. And the other thing is I was replying to every single oh, comment. That's, that's the other. huge. So I, since I was daily, but also was literally the guy replying to every single comment, and I was active in a lot of online communities and I was more accessible than most people, even with 10,000 subscribers, it meant that I was able to get a lot of loyalty from the audience of the people who was watching me. So it was quality over quantity, not in my output of content, Mm -hmm. but in my relationship building. I was, for a lot of people, again, accessible, So because I was replying to them, that was why they were going to subscribe and they were going to watch some videos. They may not watch every upload or every, because I was putting out so much. And that's where people, people think quality over quantity only because they want the vanity of seeing a bunch of views on their latest video so they can feel like everything they did was worth it. I put the viewer first, and so I don't really care about getting a bunch of views. I care about who said yes, not who said no. So I make videos for people who may not have people making videos for them and i reply to people that may have never gotten a response
0: and that is huge and i know you've talked about this but that's also how gary vaynerchuk really became such a a behemoth in the space he had he had the the quantity also he was also outputting all the time but he was replying he was replying to every twitter comment for like years and who does that that's incredible i love that so uh, so I'm gonna back it up just a little bit. And this may be kind of, you know, I'm using some buzzwords here, it's a little tacky, but uh, one thing we talked about in the Twitter chat is kind of the differences, if there are differences, and the relationships between a creator, an influencer, and a personal brand. Sort of what each of those things mean. And I'm curious, as someone who has all three going on, um, what are your feelings on those distinctions?
1: Well, a content creator doesn't have to be a content creator in the sense of being a public facing or forward figure. You know, if you produce beats, but your voice isn't on the track, you're a content creator. And if you're making money as a musician doing that, you're a content creator. It's a consumable piece of content. It's got distribution. And if you're making your money off of that, you're a full time content creator. So guess what? You don't have to be the face of anything. If you're not the face and you are the editor of something and you're um, like remixing content, but you're not personally in the content, you're still a content creator. So you are not an influencer, but you do have a body of work and you do have a brand, a personal brand, because you are known for what you do and what you've done and the work that you've produced. You have a reputation but you're not an influencer because you're not the forward facing figure. You're not the ambassador of that thing. You're not the model. You're not the so on and so forth. And people are not coming to you for your thought leadership or your point of view or your hot takes. They're just consuming what you made. And there, and so you can see that the distinction is not so nebulous or it's not so vague. It's very literal. It's very literal in the sense that, well, if you are making something, and you're creative and you're making money off of it, you could write books and no one could know who you are because you could be writing under a pseudonym. You could be writing under a pen name. There may never be a photo of you out there as an author if you choose to keep your privacy, and you could still be a best-selling author. And so you'd be a creator. You would be a content creator. And you'd also have the reputation of that personal brand even though it's not tied to your actual identity. It's tied to your pen name. So again, you'd still have those things. Now, you could be an influencer, and never actually create your own content, you could be an influencer by virtue of being a politician. you could be an influencer by virtue of being a public figure and a public speaker and have a story like uh malalia you know you could be you could be that that doesn 't make you a content creator you 're not out there producing content you see what i 'm saying yeah. there 's content that's being made about you you 're being written about you 're being um you know put on um you know stages and so on and so forth speaking at the UN you're an influencer it's up to Greta Greta Thunberg she's an influencer she's influential she has a voice and she has a presence she's not a content creator
0: yep
1: she yep. has a personal brand absolutely <laughs> so you, so you see it's nuanced it's but it's also it's not vague people I don't think the words are interchangeable for everybody
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm that's a very very good point, point. and we have someone. Kate is asking, "What about a thought leader? I think that you can be an influence.
1: influencer without people caring about your opinions or looking to you for guidance. Oh, you really? can be an influencer based on aesthetic value without anyone really caring about what you have to say or what you think beyond you know recommending a product. Um, so you can be an influencer and you can be a brand ambassador and no one could be looking to you for thought leadership no one could be looking to you for guidance nobody might be making life-altering decisions around you or looking to what your philosophy of anything is
0: yep that makes perfect sense So, you know, some people encapsulate multiple buckets. Some of them, it's just one bucket, and you can't assume that you've got the others. Now, you are someone who has uh, amassed all of them, so I would love to talk to you about sort of how you figured out that this was something that you were going to sort of have to take control of and define to some degree. Like once you start, cause I'm sure before you were doing your thing, you were trying to get business. As you said, you're trying to get people. You were also trying to help people. You're trying to help other designers, other creators as you do now. At mm-hmm. what point did you realize, Oh shit, I'm a brand.
1: <laughs> I think I probably did early due to my background. I think due to my own belief that you have a brand whether you realize it or not i think i believe that even when i was an employee and i was always moonlighting and freelancing so it's a little different because i had a sense of that because i had a reputation and i had those things because excuse me even while working as an employee i was still independently doing my own things so uh, that was something that i think was more native to me and my understanding of it, I just refined my understanding of it as I become became very educated about um, marketing and the terminology, the jargon that goes with it. But I already intuitively understood this, and I think that maybe I even understood it as early as high school that um, when it comes to the concept of what a reputation is and what you're known for and how people identify you or call you out.
0: I love that. Was there ever a time when you saw something about your reputation or something that people were starting to know you for where you were like, "Mm, let's reel it in. This isn't my direction.
1: Well, a couple of things. Um, And one of them is still something I work through. Um, I started realizing at a certain point that there were people who felt or I seemed or appeared to them to be a Mm know-it-all. And I began to grasp that that was a matter of tonality, but also a matter of my passionate frustration when things are repetitive or when they're rep- uh, like, when I see the same problem over and over and over again. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Um, that's just always been how I am. And the thing is, the difference between me and a lot of other people is I'm, I'm very authentic in my frustrations and in when I am displeased or upset. I don't um, pander. I I believe in radical honesty, radical candor, um, and sometimes um, it means coming off like an a-hole, but you have to, in in that honest moment, if you're not doing that, sometimes it's not any better than just lying because I don't think there's any value to not expressing your exasperation or frustration um, earnestly. I think it's different maybe if you're dealing with a very young person or someone very impressionable um, or somebody that's come to you in a vulnerable state. But as a general rule, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to quote unquote look bad or be impatient if you're exasperated or in the moment because I feel that it's disingenuous. And I think that, and I think that. Frankly, anyone who ever tries to, like, cancel somebody because they decided to be human for, like, five minutes in a day or they said something that felt mean or condescending or whatever, like, taking that, like, soundbite out of context and then not holding it up to the person's consistency of character over a decade, anybody who does that deserves to be elbowed in the throat, and I'm not taking that one back. (laughs) They deserve to be punched directly in their mouth, like, because we have to allow – If we don't allow for that humanity, do you know what happens to people, Kristen? Like people who don't feel they're allowed their humanity just because they're public figures end up being fake. They end up being inauthentic. They end up being burnt out and they end up not feeling like they can be proud of what they do. And they also end up with massive anxiety disorders because they aren't allowed the grace of any mistake or any misstep or any wording or God forbid someone commit the crime of offending you. Yeah, And I think that if we get to that place where no one's allowed that, we never have a right to complain that we live in a world where everyone's fake and everyone lies to us.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is just breathtaking. I love that. So I'm guessing one of your key brand (laughs) components is authenticity, which is honestly just... It's, it's effective, but it's also smart as a human being. My goodness. Not
1: everyone has to like you and that's okay. That's, huge. that's the great thing is we have all these abundance of options. You have a funnel and you, f- you have a filter. I'm not here for everybody. I'm here for the weirdos and the misfits and the nerds and the people like me who may not have been served by anybody else. And you know, if that's not you, God bless mazel top, move on. There's probably a thousand people catering to you already.
0: Love it. All right. So I have some questions for you from our uh, Twitter chat the other day. First of all, um, you can interpret this however you want, but why did you brand the way that you did?
1: So, I mean, I think for me, it was a natural reaction to the contrasting of my experiences as an employee. I built a brand with the understanding that I wanted to build a brand that I could live with.
0: I like that. Because you are the brand, you have to live it, right? Especially if yeah, authenticity is
1: such a key. But point. some people are a caricature of themselves online, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Some people are outrightly design a character or an avatar, and they are that. And people know that that's not who they are as a person. Yeah. With me and you've had this experience. It's pretty much, you know, I use between a five and fifteen percent filter, and that's about it. But yeah. that's usually more a matter of politeness mm-hmm. or a matter of well, what do you need right now versus how am I feeling right now? Yeah. Like, and that's just a uh, because I think if you want to be compassionate and empathetic to people, to some extent, you do have to hold back because you have to put yourself second in for a moment or for a few moments. So I don't think that's inauthentic. I just think that it's splitting the difference a little bit to put somebody else first, even if it's inconvenient to do it.
0: But that's a really good key. And then when you're giving people that kindness, they know it's authentic. They know you're not just kissing their ass to kiss their ass.
1: Exactly so. Exactly so. I think what people get wrong is they think that they have to be 100% all the time, but that's exhausting. That's exhausting. And you're not your best all the time. And so giving people your best sometimes means that, okay, it's not going to be exactly how i feel in that moment it's going to be me pausing for five seconds calming down and then hearing you and then reacting and it may not always be that 100 but the thing is it's not always necessary for it to be 100. you can come down to 90. you can come down to 95 and i think that um you can come down to 85 and it's still authentic i think that people i'm an older brother but i'm not a parent but i have a a tremendous respect for parents because i think parents understand making a compromise on authenticity balanced against compassion when it comes to how to uh, treat somebody that you're responsible for.
0: So I have two that are similar here. So Chris, you actually answered this on Twitter. Thank you. Chris Bryant asked, what do you do on the days when you're not in the mood to create content, but you have to, but on a similar bent, Cindy wants to know how you find inspiration when you need to create content and what tools you use to help you out with that
1: inspiration comes and sometimes I move on that. I move more on my plans and on my design, meaning I've already mapped out what's going to happen rather than waiting for inspiration. But I also have a type of content that is suited to that. So that's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but even then I, I feel, and my saying is when motivation fails, you discipline won't. You don't go to school or go to work because you're motivated to do it. You have to show up regardless of how you feel and the work has to get done and you're responsible. Parents don't take days off. Um, you know, there's when something is a responsibility, you do it and you soldier on in spite of whatever else you have going on, you make a way. So I don't believe in waiting for that inspiration to find you nonsense because it may never come. Um, and even if it does, you may not be in a position to do anything about it. And so I don't believe in waiting. I I don't wait for that. I don't, you know, and if it comes and it goes and I can't do anything about it, then so be it. But the other thing is I do create the opportunity to be motivated and inspired. I invested heavily into building the perfect office specifically for that reason. I, I you know, um, over there, I've got the uh, Monopoly, um, posters, patience, ambitious, ambition, failure, happiness, persistence, success, you know, um, those are very motivating to me. I have over there, success is born out of faith and an undying passion and relentless drive. Stephen Curry, you know, um, dreams weigh more than excuses. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, you know, the giant, Gold, uh, one hundred dollar bill over there for some real motivation. <laughs> Love that. Uh, there's so I I surround myself with um these things to remind me of who I am and um my drive and you know what the cost is and I surround myself with the investments that I've made in myself to remind myself how far I've come and that I created an environment for myself better than anyone else ever created for me to work in. And there's some pride in that. And, um, what, so when I look at those things, the other thing is by having all of my things and all of my tools right in front of me, one, I have the motivation and I have the, look what I did. look at what I made, look at what I earned, look at what I built, um, look at, um, how I was able to invest myself. So I have the evidence of what I can achieve staring me in the face every day, but also the lack of friction for you can sit down and you have everything you need. You can sit down and you have everything you need to make anything you could possibly want and remember when you didn't have that. And so it um, makes a huge difference for me. And, and I know that not everyone has that and not everyone has the, the benefit of that, but they can. I didn't have it when I started either.
0: Perfect, thank you so much Roberto for everything you're giving us today. Tell us where people can and should find you.
1: Um, So you can at me, at Roberto Blake, uh, pretty much in all social media. I'm most active in Twitter. Um, I post to Instagram stories pretty much daily. Uh, You can check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash robertoblake2. And of course, if you ever want to do anything with me, you can work with me via awesomecreatoracademy.com.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Roberto, for being on with us today. I'm very sorry about the technical difficulties at the beginning. But it's I all good. It's not... more
1: it's more my bad than yours. So
0: I'm so glad to have you here today, though. And thank you so much for giving us your time and your brain, which is huge, and your awesome energy.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you, everybody. Join me next Friday right here. Same bet time, same bet channel. Uh, and we're going to talk some more about personal branding. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.